This is Cervical Cancer Awareness Week and my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa calls herself the warrior Lorna Cattle, who was diagnosed with cervical cancer at the same time as finding out that she was pregnant. She battled through, survived and is looking at fertility options. Lorna is now raising awareness with smear tests as well as working with the Grace Charity who help women through gynecological cancers. So all of you out there, do not put off having a smear test if you're asked to come in. It is COVID safe and early diagnosis could give you a better chance. But let's catch up with Lorna and find out more about her journey. She's now full of hope and inspiration for others. Right, welcome Lorna to Tea Time with me. Ali Monjak, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Yes, yeah, yeah. Just... Getting used to life in lockdown, I suppose that that's the way it is. I mean, you. I know you've got a dog, so you've obviously been out walking the dog. Yeah, every day, come rain or shine. Yesterday was definitely um, not the best day to own a dog um, with all the storm going on, but we did it. We survived. Oh, fantastic! No, I know, and especially if you're in a certain part of the country as well. I mean, fortunately. You're more sort of south-based, aren't you? So yeah, could uh, brave the outside world, as it were. So yeah, no, I understand what you mean. So it is actually Cervical Cancer Awareness Week this week from the 18th to the 24th of January. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have had cervical cancer and managed to come out the other side, which is yeah. fantastic. So... I mean, here's to clinking tea cups, but of course we can't because we're miles away from each other. But um, that that is an amazing achievement, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, definitely. It took a while to get there, but we got there in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you were diagnosed, unfortunately for you, when you were actually pregnant. Yeah, so um, it's it's a weird one because um, we didn't know I was pregnant and we found out I was pregnant throughout the tests that we were having done because something was happening that wasn't right. So by the time I found out, they reckon I was probably between about six and eight weeks pregnant, but part of the reason why I had noticed that changes were happening for me is because we had been trying for a baby and therefore I was tracking my cycles. So that's, it kind of, um, it didn't, it sort of happened all at once, really, to be perfectly honest. And it was, you know, by the way, you know, you're pregnant, so we can't do some of the tests we want to do. Um, And then it was a case of, yes, it's the tests that we have been able to do have confirmed that it definitely is cancer. And then we had to look at what we were going to do next, sort of what the next steps were going to be. Now, that must have been absolutely heartbreaking for you because the next step is obviously that, you know, you had to to lose the baby, didn't you? Yeah, yeah and it, it you know, it, it was and it is heartbreaking, but it was also a decision that wasn't really a decision. It was a um, it was such a such a whirlwind of everything. You know, it's we're, we're testing to see what's wrong. We don't know what's wrong. But by the way, you're pregnant, so we can't do some of them. And then we think it's cancer, but we're not sure. And then it is cancer and we can't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to full term in a pregnancy. So it, yes, it was heartbreaking. And yes, it was really hard to, to deal with. But equally, we were also dealing with the idea that I could die. So, you know, those two things put together 
absolutely heartbreaking and still to this day you know fertility is a real struggle but I'm here and that was the kind of that I suppose that was kind of it softened it in a way because it was well I, I wouldn't make it to have the baby the baby wouldn't survive and if I didn't do this treatment and we didn't terminate the baby then none of it was going to work you know so it was it was a really it was an odd situation but definitely um yeah it was hard very hard but it was all just all in one and just one massive whirlwind of this is what we're doing goodness so that must have been really sort of all consuming for you and where you know you'd sort of had your hopes and dreams probably um of having a child then you were faced with you know um, extensive treatment weren't you and I think it's it's really hard because it's you you kind of have to take every step as you go and to be honest I don't think you really start dealing with all those feelings until afterwards like I know I definitely didn't because you're so busy at the time working out how to get to the next day and then the next day and then what's that treatment going to look like and how do we get through that so the feelings were there but they definitely didn't surface I would say until well after I'd finished my treatment. So how long was the treatment for? Yeah, so um, I started off by having a surgery um, to move my ovaries in the hope that we might be able to save my fertility later. Um, So that was in the December. And then I actually started the treatment for the cancer in the January. So I started on the 3rd of January and I had six and a half weeks of every day of the week treatment. So six and a half weeks doesn't really sound like very much when you think about it but every day I was traveling an hour and a half round trip to the hospital and every day I was having some kind of treatment for those six and a half weeks so excuse me I had chemotherapy every Monday and then every day I had radiotherapy and then in my last two weeks I had three sessions of um, internal radiotherapy which is called brachytherapy but I mean, you know, in actual fact, the fact that, the, as you said, the therapy was for six weeks, it was also, you know, you got then the after effects of that and dealing with not just the physical changes in your body, but also the mental changes, the emotional yeah. changes in your body. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And to add to that, um, they put you into the menopause for my particular treatment. So I'm also dealing with like a bunch of hormones that I've never had in my body before. Um, And I'd had a a pregnancy termination, which is also a bunch of hormones. Um, And then, yeah, the emotional side of, you know, am am I going to make it through this? Is it going to work? And the tiredness that came from it as well was, yeah, it was, it was a lot. And I had the most amazing support, like the apps, honestly, I couldn't have done it without the support that I had. Um, and that was through various different people and various different channels. That that's what got me through. Well, also, you know, you're you're married, aren't you? And you yeah. know, you and your husband are, are very close. It looks like so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was amazing. Like he was amazing. And my, my mum came to live with us for a while. Um, and yeah, he. I think um, I, I've said this to a lot of people throughout sort of any time I chat to people about my experiences. And one of the things I think is that it's it's almost harder on your family and you know close friends than it is for you and I know that's going to sound really crazy but for me I'm going every day and I'm having treatment so I'm physically and actively doing something whereas I think for those people around you they just feel really helpless because they can't do you know they can't physically do anything but actually what they're doing is is getting you through it's just hard for them to be able to see that because they can't feel like they're doing anything you know 
must be incredibly difficult for them. You're right, you know, because they're watching from the outside in and it's, yeah, yeah incredibly frustrating. I can imagine as a parent, I do know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my, mine are a lot older now, but it's, um, yeah, it's when, you know, your child is going through that. I could imagine your mum must have felt really. Yeah, um, and she, like, she was absolutely, she was amazing. Like, she drove me to hospital three days a week. My husband would come with me two days a week because he still had to work. And um, I was in every day. And then she would go, she lived in Cornwall at the time. So she would travel up to our house on a weekend but then go back home on a weekend the next weekend stay with my dad and you know it was just it was a lot and then my husband's there trying to you know feed me hula hoops and stuff like that and whatever I was fancying. <laughs> oh lovely lovely but I mean you know that was quite a moment anyway as well because you hadn't long been married had you? No so we got married in April 2016 um, then I turned 30 in June 2016 and then in November 2016, that's when we got the diagnosis. So, yeah, we'd not been long married at all. And it was actually on my honeymoon that the symptoms start. Well, at the time, I didn't know they were symptoms. But now looking back, that's when the symptoms started for me. So what were the symptoms for you? Yeah, so about uh, it was around September, at beginning of September time, I was just getting some really bad um, lower back pain and just nothing seemed to be shifting it. Like I could do stretches, I could take tablets and just nothing seemed to be shifting it. So I went to the GP and this G particular GP asked me to bend over and touch my toes, which I could do. And then he asked when my most recent smear test had been. And he checked it. I didn't know off the top of my head. He checked it and it had all been clear. I didn't put two and two together at that point. And then we were on honeymoon and my back just still wasn't getting any better at all, regardless of these tablets. And then while we were on honeymoon, I started to bleed in between my two in between periods. So oh. it was at a time when I shouldn't have been bleeding at all. So that's when that started. So when we got back from honeymoon, that's when I then went in and saw another GP and um, she said exactly the same thing. When was my last smear test? Um, and then because I was, because I explained that we were trying for a baby, she organised for me to have a womb scan. Um, and that womb scan didn't show anything because there was nothing wrong with, with my womb. So um, that didn't show anything. And she, she just said, if it happens again, come back and we'll see what else we can do. And it did happen again. So the following month, again, I got this bleeding in between periods. Um, and that was when I then pushed to try and get some more tests done. Um, she then tried to do a smear test, wasn't able to do the smear test because I was bleeding too much. And that's when I then got the referral and the rest of it kind of all rumbled together. Well, thank goodness you did. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Said, you know, it's lovely to see, see your face and, you know, well done because that's a lot to come through isn't it? And I, I mean, I understand now that you haven't given up hope of starting a family. So brilliant. Good news. So it, explain to me what, what, what you've done in steps to, to move forward with that. Yeah, so um, fertility wise, um, as I said, I had my ovaries moved um, before we started the treatment. And then they put me into the menopause, which is then meant to kind of double protect the, the ovaries. Um, what I haven't mentioned already is that I did end up having to have a hysterectomy after all of my treatment. So once that six and a half weeks was over, I did have to have a hysterectomy in, in the August time, but they still left my ovaries. 
So it was basically a wait and see game, to be perfectly honest. They, they needed to essentially wake back up because they'd been put to sleep. Um, so I was under the care of a fertility consultant and um, he was kind of every six months would do a check to see where my levels were at and what we were doing. Um, we then eventually got to a point where he decided that my levels were high enough that we could try a round of IVF. So um, we did, uh, in the end, we did two rounds of IVF. Um, the first round um, wasn't a success at all. We only ended up, I think we got one egg out and it didn't fertilize. And then the second round, we got more eggs, but still none, none got to the kind of the stages that they needed them to get to for them to be able to freeze them. Um, so for us, that was right at the beginning of this, no, last year now, actually. So January 2020, um, I had my last. So this, in fact, this week was when we found out that um, the second round of IVF hadn't worked. So for us then it was a case of looking into other options and that's, that's basically what we did. And we spent the time with um, COVID and everything closed down and everything a bit quieter to sort of take a step back and realize what else, what were our options and what we could do. Yeah, so you're now looking for a surrogate? Absolutely, yeah. So um, surrogate is the next stage for us. Um, we are hoping that that will happen relatively soon, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that would be our next stage for us. And it's, it's odd because you, when you think about a surrogate, you think about it being on the TV shows and stuff like that. It's, um, it's a really, it's an odd thing, but then actually the more you talk to people, the more you realize that actually lots of people do know people that have had to use surrogacy for one reason or another. And it's actually a little bit more common than I think we thought it was, which is really nice. There's a big su support community out there for surrogacy, which is amazing. Fantastic, you know, and I think this is really brilliant because, you know, it's going to allow you to have the family that you obviously deserve. So, and, you know, I mean, when you go through something like that, it, it's very difficult to hang on to your hopes and dreams. And, you know, I mean, you are a, a great example of the fact that you can still hang on to your hopes and dreams. Absolutely. And I think the thing for me and I, the reason why I'm passionate about talking about any of this and sort of sharing my story, so to speak, is so that people can see that there is there is a life after it all. And it might not feel like it at the time, but actually there is life after it. And, there, you know, if you are able to have all the treatment that you need and get through that, then there are ways of, of getting back yourself back on track, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I agree with you. And I think it is brilliant that, you know, you're you're such a, I mean, I know on your Instagram account, it says I am a warrior and you really are a true warrior. You know, this, <laughs> it's fantastic. Really, it is an inspiration to other people as well, especially in a time like this. I mean, what people need to realise is obviously that, you know, that that hospitals or, you know, clinics or GP surgeries are safe. If you've yeah. been asked to come in to go and have yeah. a smear test, you yeah. need to go and do it. You can't ignore it. You know, if there is anything that people aren't sure about, so even if you're not due one, you know, if you're in between needing one or you've never had one, if you're not sure about something, the NHS is open and they're available to ask questions and, you know, do those types of things. And there's so many charities and, and um, people out there that you can speak to for advice. And if you're worried about COVID and how to kind of, you know, get those things done during COVID, there are lots and lots of um, safety precautions in place for you to still be able to go and do that definitely 
Well, do you know what, Lorna? Thank you so much for coming and talking to me today, and and keep, you know, charging on with the the awareness. And um, you know, I'm sure that we'll speak to each other again down the line when perhaps we've got a a new member of the family in the on the line. <laughs> no, let's keep those fingers crossed. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries at all. You take care. Bye. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on Tea Time at forthenow.co.uk. Or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Tea Time with AM. Bye for now. <laughs>